Hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. This is like an unscheduled live. And um, I know that so many people are probably like, wait, what are they doing? And especially if you're like East Coast, oh, you're yeah. not even watching this. Right. Unless you're in bed and you're trying to go to sleep and then you were just scrolling. <laughs> you thought you were going to do a quick little like Facebook scroll. And then you saw the Addisons like live yeah. and you wondered what was going on. I just What's wanted to say, so we just full disclosure, mm -hmm. we have tried to do this live <laughs> three times, I want to say. Really? Well, the Wednesday, yeah, was was that, the plan. That was the okay. Yeah, yeah. And then we had some issues. All right. And then on Saturday night, so maybe we tried twice. Yeah, I think twice. Okay, this is the third time. <laughs> all right. So if we want to be technical, this is the third time that we're trying to do this live. And the reason we wanted to do this live is because we wanted to have some interaction, not just talk about what's going on with the National Association of Evangelicals, but just kind of get some feedback, like maybe. Maybe it's possible that sometimes we look at this content mm -hmm. and maybe we think in such a way that maybe we're not being charitable. What would maybe, you say? Maybe. I think sometimes you can have that that feeling. But, man, when you look at what's going on, it's like it's you just got to tell the truth. And, you know, it, it, it's it's sad what's happening because a lot of people are submitting to these agendas and things are going on. And we see the evangelicals. I'm like, man, what, what's going on? You're holding the line. And what is an ev evangelical? And we're going to talk about that. Yeah. But tonight we yeah. wanted to talk about what's going on with the National Association of Evangelicals. You know, I really feel like um, in 2016, there was um, this attack that was levied against the evangelicals. And it was because of Trump. It was really, mm -hmm. I think, would be defined as like a Trump derangement syndrome. And it seemed that the evangelicals were to blame for his election. Yeah. And because the evangelicals were to blame, they were all of a sudden white evangelicals. Right. Right. And that became just like a bad word. That like, was the thing. You know, white evangelicals. You and know. so what we started doing was we were like, wait, hold up a second. Okay. So we're talking about white evangelicals. Like what is an evangelical? And so we would use the, the National Association of Evangelicals definition. It's a, a definition that they came up with um, uh, working with LifeWay Research to determine or to define an evangelical. And this definition is really useful for like, research and useful for stats and polling data and things like that. Yeah. But I also find that it's useful in even understanding and defining like whether or not you actually are an evangelical. So for the sake of our conversation tonight and looking at what the National Association of Evangelicals is doing, let's go ahead and make sure that we are all on the same page. What is an evangelical? <laughs> so good. there are four statements to which respondents must strongly agree to be categorized as an evangelical. Okay. So statement number one yes. is that the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. Check. Okay. Statement number two, it is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus as their savior. Check. Yes. Yes. Okay. 100%. Statement number three, Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. Amen. So far, so good. And then statement number four, only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. Yes. Okay. So according to the National Association of Evangelicals mm -hmm. and Lifeway Research, mm -hmm. if you answer yes to all four of those, then you are defined as an evangelical. Okay. Now, I just want to say, this has nothing to do with the color of your skin. Nothing at all. It has nothing to do with the region of the country that you live in. Right. It is, do you have these basic 
tenets of the Christian faith, yes. right? Yes. Um, do you believe that the gospel spreads through evangelism, that you are to share, that you are to tell people who Jesus is and what he's done for them? Hmm. Okay. Yes. Among other things, among other tenets. Yes. I agree with that. Amen. Well, this story that grabbed my attention was a Christian post story and I've had it for about a week here and just thinking about it and like kind of processing what is happening. It almost seems like the National Association of Evangelicals had been holding out, but mm -hmm. now they are kind of crumbling under the pressure, which it seems like it's a pressure that was almost over. Like you could have just, those who have <laughs> taken their position and been holding their position on a biblical foundation, it almost seemed like people moved on. Like nobody was, you know, mad at you for yeah. taking this position. But now all of a sudden you've got the National Association of the Evangelicals saying, or the National Association of Evangelicals saying, we are launching an online test to gauge one's commitment to racial justice. Oh man, here we go. Here we go. I mean, come on. So it's sad because now you're going to see uh, this big organization that has been faithful, I would say, now going the way of wokeness. And, you know, we're going to play some, uh, at least one audio, and go through the test to show you, you Let's know, take what, the test what, they're, together. Yeah, what they're asking, what they're trying to get at. So so, so we took the test and, you know, I, I kind of, and I, I really wanted to, and I'm, I want to revisit this, I, I really wanted to be genuine yeah. in taking the test. I didn't want to try to skew it in one direction or the other. I wasn't trying to make a point. I wanted to be honest as I took the test, but I will just tell you right out of the gate, um, this test wasn't for me. <laughs> you weren't, you were not seen. No, I was not seen. Oh, my my voice, my thought, my experiences, my lived experiences mm. were not centered. Mm -hmm. And I, I think to say that this is a test for evangelicals is actually disingenuous. I think that it's not honest. I think that this is a test for white people who identify as evangelicals who potentially would struggle with guilt over that identification. And, wow. and, and I know that's coming off the top rope really quickly. Yeah. But that's how the test starts to shape up really quickly too. So what I wanted to do mm -hmm. and the benefit of doing this as a live is that as we go through these questions, we want to hear from you. We'll put your comments up on the screen. We'll respond to your comments. If you've got questions, maybe you want to push back on the way we assess the questions, then let's do that. Let's have that conversation tonight because I feel like you know, somebody's got to say something about the manipulation that happens uh, within the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, the misrepresentation of what it is to love your neighbor. I mean, my goodness, like, why do we have to subscribe to a certain ideology or ascribe to a certain ideology to say that this is what it means now um, to be to care about justice? Like yeah. the Bible teaches us very clearly that the wicked don't even know what <laughs> justice is. Not at all. They can't even understand, can't it. understand it. So why are they leading our conversations? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's go ahead and get into it. Okay. Um, this was uh, 20 questions, and we'll walk through these as quickly as we can, but not skipping over things. Now, before that, did, did we want to play the, the statement by the... the uh... Walter Kim. Yes. yes. Okay, so Walter Kim is the president of the National Association of Evangelicals, mm -hmm. and Walter Kim actually... So when you go to take your test... <laughs> when you go to take your test to see if you understand racial justice or how committed you are to racial justice, you have this greeting from Walter Kim. And so just in the interest of kind of showing all of those things and maybe some conversation to, to have around that, here is Walter Kim. And thank you for your interest in racial justice and reconciliation. We share your desire to follow Jesus in this vital area. We at the NAE have developed this tool to help you explore opportunities for growth 
and to engage in topics that might challenge, encourage, and inspire you. The Bible teaches the essential dignity of all humans and our shared desire to live in community. Yet the reality of sin results in the denigration, alienation, and injustice that we see before us. We know this impacts our relationships, our communities, and even our institutions. But the good news of Jesus Christ brings reconciliation, not only between God and humanity, but also between groups of people. And we know from Revelation that God is forming a new humanity from every nation, tribe, people, and language. This is a beautiful and compelling vision. So what can we do? To be faithful disciples, we must learn with humility, listen with empathy, act with righteousness, and above all, love our brothers and sisters who are experiencing injustice. This issue is really for all of us. So we invite you to take the assessment to help identify where you might grow in your pursuit of racial justice and reconciliation. When you finish answering this short survey, it will prompt you with resources and next steps. That's all you need to do to get started. And we will be praying and cheering you on as God's spirit guides you so that together we as God's people might demonstrate the power of Christ to reconcile all things. God bless. Okay, so my first question, and mm -hmm. like if you're watching the live, go ahead and throw your comments up. If you've got questions about this, then <laughs> we want to address them, right? So my first question is, if we want to celebrate or exalt the power of God to reconcile us, then why do we need a racial justice test? That's a great question. And I don't mean mm. to be like overly simplistic in that yeah. question, but if we, if, if Jesus is mm -hmm. enough, mm -hmm. if the gospel is enough, why do we need a racial justice assessment to help us learn where we are? Why do we need to, as, as we commonly hear, um, you know, employ empathy as we talk about what's going on in our culture? That's, mm. that's my question. Yeah. And I think far too often, you know, when we hear these flowery words, we kind of think, oh, we, we are all expressing the same sentiment. But I think as we go through this assessment, what we're going to find is that this assessment really does reek of critical race theory. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. It's just yeah. a new way to accuse people of being, as it's commonly called in our culture today, racist, and to cloak it as some sort of initiative that is going to reconcile us all. Mm. So it's disappointing to me. Like This is almost like a gut punch coming from the National Association of Evangelicals and and you know, I almost feel like they could have waited it out. Like you were doing okay. You didn't, you know, you didn't have to like come <laughs> right, back and right. and make a, a, a racism test. Like that's what we're talking <laughs> oh about. And it's really sad to me that that's where we are. Okay. So, um, having done that and, and by the way, we've got, we want to weave in to this, um, to this live, some clips that we have from Ibram X. Kendi, because a lot of the questions that are in this racial justice test really reek of critical race theory and it, it reeks of anti-racism. Mm. And there's a distinction to be made between being not a racist, which many of us who love Jesus would say, no, that's not, I'm not given to partiality. Like that mm. is not something that, you know, I need to confess. Um, but Ibram X. Kendi says there's no such thing as not being racist. Mm. In fact, there's a call for action, right? And so we're going to see that as we kind of go through the test. All right. So here is question number one. And then again, your comments, your your questions, your pushback on this. Question number one. And 
And again, there's 20 questions. Maybe we won't get to all of them tonight. Depends on how long this goes. And you've got to strongly disagree, disagree. You're neutral. You agree or you strongly agree. And so we'll go through them. Here's question number one. Building a true and biblical understanding of race is important to me. Yes. Yes. So, so you would say you agree? Yes. Okay. So, yes, I agree with that. I strongly agree with that. A biblical understanding of race is important to me. Biblical yes. understanding of Putting the emphasis ethnos. on that. Okay, <laughs> exactly right, right? So, like, if, if, if we say that building a biblical understanding of ethnicity, of culture, right, of people, groups, of tribes, of languages, if we say that that comes from an Acts 17, 26 mm -hmm. kind of a place— I'm yes, in. Yes. If we say that that comes from a Genesis 11, where we've got the, you know, dispersion of people all across the earth, like then yes, the, mm -hmm. the, the confusion of languages, right. um, then yes, I'm in. But as you will see, as we continue on in the questions, that is not in this <laughs> survey. Yeah, okay. Right. So here's question number two. Okay. Race is more a social reality than a definable physical reality. <laughs> so I could strongly disagree with that, but I, again, I wanted to be honest in taking the test. Mm -hmm. So I said that I disagree. How, how would you answer that question? And I want to check on our live and see what, what some of our um, viewers think as well. Well, once again, man, why do we start from the basis of race being a thing when in look for Christians, the race <laughs> Saved or unsaved, mm -hmm. like that, it, it's not the ethnicities. You know, we we know that there are going to be many in heaven, like all uh, tribes and tongues and everything. And so, man, my 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 thing is, we're starting at the wrong point. We're taking from the world, right from jump, mm -hmm. and applying it to to the, the things of the of the church and the body of Christ. Yeah. And so, I think right there is just a faulty metric that we're starting off with. You know, and for them to take that. And I think we we need to be careful about using the terms in the world. You know, I was big on not saying racism, but it's called partiality mm -hmm. in the Bible because it goes beyond skin color, mm -hmm. you know. And I think we need to get, get to that. I know that's just one piece, but that's just something that irritates me, how we just take from the world mm -hmm. and make it our own. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's ours as well. Yeah. No. So Joanne is on the live and Joanne says, I disagree. And, and by the way, just so that we're all on the same same page. The statement is race is more a social reality than a definable physical reality. Now, again, this draws directly from CRT, right? right. Because it's saying CRT language. it is saying that it is something that has been created. It is mm -hmm. a social construct that has been designed to oppress specific people groups. Okay. So now, again, if, if the National Association of Evangelicals is trying to be genuine in its assessment, then you throw us for a loop. So you start off and you say, you want a biblical understanding of race, that that's important. Mm -hmm. But then your very next question is whether or not race is a social reality or a definable physical reality or a social construct, right? Mm -hmm. So why is that confusing? Why are those two questions incompatible? Because we see that actually you have some distinct characteristics. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to re recognize them in the book of the Revelation, mm -hmm. where you've got right. nation, well, tribes, the, and yeah. tongues like that are get Look, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, what are we saying? There's colonization in heaven. So how do you recognize these people groups? There are some definable physical characteristics that define people groups. They are recognized in heaven around the throne of God. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. 
So I feel like even just getting into this, you can already see where the National Association of Evangelicals is going to go. And it's manipulative, right? You take this test, mm. see where you are, but it already has a bent. All right. So here is question number three. Let's go. Racial hierarchy can give privileges to some groups that other groups of people may not have. Oh, man. We got the victory. Only on Sunday. <laughs> only on Sunday. Only on Sunday. Oh, you're you're only blessed in the city and blessed in the field. You're only blessed when you come and when you go on, on Sunday. Sundays. And Wednesdays. Maybe, maybe. Wednesdays. You know? yeah. But when you walk outside of the walls of the church, <sighs> there are just privileges that you do not have. Come on, man. That's, look, look oh. okay. One of the most upsetting things to me is to know that there are people who come on, look, okay. Christ let me, privilege. Like, pr- Christ That's what's up. Privilege. Yes. Christ privilege is what we have. Come on. All right. So I refuse to believe that we serve the powerful, unmatched God and that we say that he can only do what the man lets him do. So you're saying that these systems of this world is more powerful than come God. Come on. They, no, no, you can be in Christ, but man, these systems, I'm sorry, they, they will oppress you. And there's no way of getting around them because they're so powerful. Right. Man, that's come on. It, we sing these songs about having the victory that, you know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Unless the weapon is in the hand of the white man. Man, see. So uh, I don't know how you I don't know how Fred Hammond would have fit that into, <laughs> you know, that no weapon formed against me shall man. prosper. They're like they're like only if it's a weapon formed by the devil. But systems in America, mm. those weapons formed against me shall prosper. Uh, like, think about that. Man, what on, I, here's what I think every believer, if, if you are genuine and you truly believe and trust in the God to whom you've come, then you would say that there is nothing that operates outside of his sovereignty. Right. And I know that sounds almost overly simplistic to people, but like, what else do you need? Like, like what else is there? Right. All right. And so I'm moving quickly. Each of these points, we could probably spend 20 minutes (laughs) on just so you know, but I I, want to get through them because I think it's so important. So question number four on the racial justice assessment, it's a racial justice test. All right. By By who? The National Association of Evangelicals. Okay. You have to know that. The National Association of Evangelicals. Y'all, we struggled with what we should call this live. We almost felt like it was like the National Association of Evangelicals are tired of being called white. <laughs> and so and so now they've they've implemented oh, this test where you can it's like to make atonement. Come on. Guys, they're, they're still apologizing for 2016. That's what this is all about. This this is this is about the white evangelicals that put Trump in office. This is what this is all about. Mm. And they have not recovered ever since. All right. Question number four. I understand the historical injustices people of color have suffered in America and the effects on their opportunities today. Again, because the only wise God, the sovereign maker, creator of heaven and earth is limited by experiences. Come on. He's limited by what people experience. And this is another question, guys. And I, I'm, I'm being a little bit kind of, you know, snarky on this. I'm being a little bit tongue in cheek on this. But this is another one of those questions where I'm looking at this and I'm going. This 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 survey isn't for me. They don't see you. <laughs> you you've not centered my voice like you've not centered my experiences. Like this. This, I did up. not intend to give a thumbs up on that. But I'm looking at these questions and I'm going, you have a specific person in mind. Who's taking this test? And it's not Miki. It's not Will. In other words, what the evangelicals are saying is that evangelicals are white. Mm. So this assessment is for the white 
people who are going to take this test. It is right. it is responding to the accusation by confirming it with this type of test. That's, right. that's what they're doing, right? Yeah. All right, so that's question number four. Um, I'm going to move on. Question number five. Mm -hmm. The gospel teaches the essential dignity and equality of all humanity before God. Yes. Strongly agree. Yes. Strong, like. Yes, yes. Who, who mean, would disagree with that? Right. That's a, yes. that's, a, that's a transitional setup question, right? <laughs> All right, so let's just move on in the interest of time. Question number six. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> this is what I mean when I say that question number five is a setup question. So just remember, question number five is, the gospel teaches the essential dignity and equality of all humanity before God. I strongly agree. And then question number six is this. My closest friends are for the from the same race, culture, or socioeconomic status. And that matters. Why? What, what does that tell you about me? Like what if what 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 if I strongly agree? Like what if that's true? What does that tell you about me? Does that negate question number five? Does that then mean that I don't believe in the essential dignity and equality of all humanity before God? Like, what is that? What is that suggesting to you about me? Right. Right. And again, this is another question that says I don't see black people taking right. this test. It's not, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. So right. this 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 is the National Association of Evangelicals saying, yeah, it's true. Yeah, we, we got a white problem. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you. And if oh, and if man. we man, if we ignore this, if we just like read this as another another news story, what we are watching is we are continuing to watch the chiseling away at the foundation of the church mm -hmm. that says the gospel is sufficient. That the gospel is enough. Right. All right. Let me go. No, question number seven. And then I'm going to toggle back over to our live to see what kind of questions and comments are being popped up over there. Um, question number seven says, it is important for me to learn about race from persons of different cultural backgrounds than mine. Uh, no. I mean, <laughs> you know, look, you're always open to learning different experiences. And but naturally. Like yeah. Yeah. Like but it's I'm not, not going like, to pursue people. Right. Right. Just to say, hey, you happen to be this certain ethnicity. Right. Teach me about your people. Right. Like, what is what does that should mean? come out of relationship? You should get to know, you know, other people and things like that. It does not have to be forced. It, it shouldn't be some type of quota that I have on my list. I need to make sure I'm doing this. It just it should be something that's done out of the outflow of being in Christ. Like. You know, we appreciate and respect each other. Yes, like you don't set it as your aim to say, I need I need to have this many friends right. who are of this ethnicity and I need to know this amount of information from them. Like who, n nobody, nobody does that, right. naturally right. speaking. But now here we have a test. We have a, a racial mm -hmm. justice test to tell us, you know, if we actually really do love people. All right. So let me go back. This is, uh, that was question number seven. Here's question number eight. Mm -hmm. I actively listen to and observe culturally diverse perspectives in my workplace and or community. And strongly disagree. And if you don't do that, you're then, racist. Oh, oh, if okay. you don't, if you don't actively listen okay. to and observe culturally diverse perspectives in your workplace or in your community, then you're racist. What about mm. this? What if I say as an evangelical, remember our four statements to which we all agree right. to be defined as an evangelical. Right. What if I say I actively listen to and observe the perspectives and the communication coming from people who have a biblical worldview? Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. What what if what if that's my position and the color of their skin it doesn't matter has no bearing on that. Like what? So what category then do I get put in if that's my position in Christ? Amen. I mean, but 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 is that enough? I feel like when you have not for these people. No, no. They have to be a certain type of uh, 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 paint job on on them. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Hey, look, I want to throw up Terry's comment. Terry Mm -hmm. says, it sounds like this test is trying to get us all to admit that we are racist. It's straight out of CRT. Straight out of CRT. Terry, that's the point that we're making. You're right. That's this cannot be ignored. That's the point that we're making. What the what the National Association of Evangelicals has done is it's repackaged a CRT test. That's right. Right. And it's tried to cloak it in. We want to listen with empathy. We, we want to make bridges and, and, and all of these things. It's the, it's the language that we've been dealing with for the last like six years, right? For the last seven years, however long, when we saw this kind of like bubble to the surface to now people are talking about CRT and Walmart. Man, <laughs> when we first started warning the body of Christ about oh, CRT, man. people were like, what is that? Right. And why right. do you guys think it's a problem? Yeah. And we're like, because people are talking about this and people are taking positions against one another in the church. Yeah, and that was my main thing. I, I saw this. Uh, having some type of footing within the church. And I was like, man, we have to be able to speak to it because this is this is where it's going. The last frontier is the church. It's the church. It's the final frontier. And 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 that's what we see crumbling. Yeah. That's what we and so why are we doing this? We are doing this because Jesus is worthy. Mm. We we are talking about this and we are calling it out because Jesus is worthy. So if we keep quiet, it's almost like everybody just, you know, you know, that's just what they're doing nowadays. And and every organization is falling. Every organization is getting weaker. And so we just say we accept it. Well, we don't accept it. Right. 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 I am an evangelical based on the four statements that you have to agree to to be defined as an evangelical. This racial justice test does not see me. How about that? (laughs) <laughs> what what if I say it that way? You know, I, I would say this too. This is one of the reasons I, I've I've taken a hard stance against like even a lot of the labels now. Yeah, because they're ever changing. Yep, it's like even conservative. What is that now? What is that? You mean? know, and some people say like even being a Christian. I'm a Christian, of course, but like it's it, it's like thrown around. You know, but this is one too. If so, what is an, an evangelical? Well, based upon what they have said, we th- this is who we are. Based on those four statements, yeah. Based upon those four statements, yeah. this is who we are. But man, when you see this type of test come out, it's like, wait, I think we have a different definition. Like something is not going right here. Yeah. You know? So, so let's go back to to this test. So we're taking the test together, and uh, question number nine. All right, I feel uncomfortable or anxious asking questions of people from different backgrounds for fear of being offensive. I see that's that fragility, that, that, that guilt. So this, that, that question is the white fragility question, right? Can, can you, can you interact with people (laughs) without being overly aware of yourself? Robin D'Angelo would be so proud of question number nine. Mm. Okay. Ibram X. Kendinem. (laughs) Sorry, y'all. I'll keep it professional. Would be so proud of these questions. Guys, look, I want to tell you, when I took this test, I was so disappointed mm-hmm. as I was going through the test. And as I was reading the questions, I thought, man, how disheartening and how embarrassing for us as the church of the Lord, like to, to submit ourselves to a secular assessment of whether or not we are living out what Christ has secured for us, mm-hmm. like that we would yeah. submit ourselves to a secular test 
as a measure to say, hey, am I am I living for the glory of God? Am I am I doing right? You know, am I am I um, in line with God's word? Let's take a, let's take a secular assessment here. Mm. Let's let's draw from critical race theory. It's very sad. It's very sad. And I can guarantee you that because this test has been constructed, because it's been distributed, this is now being, um, a, I would say, asserted as a value of the National Association of Evangelicals. So what you can expect to see now is division within this organization like never before. Mm. Because anything that submits itself to CRT as an additional tool, mm -hmm. right, whereby you're going to measure if someone is or isn't racist, anything that submits itself to critical race theory crumbles under the weight of that as wow. a tool. Yeah. So, so you could very well begin um, to watch the end of the National Association of Evangelicals mm. because the division and the hatred and the vitriol that comes out of submitting to CRT does not end until it destroys the institution mm. that submits to it. Wow. That's, yeah. I mean, that's point blank. You, you've seen it on, on campuses, institutions of higher learning. That's Man, right. you see it even in our education. Y'all, look, we've got a podcast that's coming out tomorrow. This, I think it's coming out tomorrow. This episode looks at the school districts in America that have chief diversity officers, right? So those who uh, push um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm -hmm. here's what they have found in K-12 schools. They have found that in the districts where they've got a CDO, chief diversity officer, mm -hmm. those black and Hispanic students are failing. <laughs> That's the opposite of what Research. they said would happen. That's research, yeah. guys. That's not just people's opinions. That's not just saying, oh, I don't think we should have chief diversity officers. That's asking the question, how are these black and brown students... OK, I'm using my quotes. How are the black and brown students doing in the areas or in the school districts where they have chief diversity officers? In other words, where they have submitted to CRT. Mm. How are the students doing? And now here we have empirical data that says they actually are failing. So now you imagine applying these standards to the Lord's bride. Come on. So Come even on. in the world, they're failing like they're not. They're not <laughs> All right, guys. Again, 20 minutes on each of these we could spend. Let's go to question number 10. Right. The thought of working with people from different cultures excites me. <laughs> Man, I'm neutral on that. And why? Because I don't want to be made to focus on people's culture right. as like the, the first thing that's important to me. Right. I really don't. Do you understand that critical race theory says that there's no such thing as colorblind? That critical race theory says, no, we don't want to live in a culture where we don't acknowledge a person's ethnicity or culture. We want to always see that. Now, look, there's a part of that that I actually agree with. And I tell people, I really don't think that it's genuine for us to say that we are colorblind. I think that there is a beauty that the Lord has given us in the expression of That's skin right. tones and That's shades right. and all of that. Man, I don't want to be colorblind. Right. But right. what I don't want to do, and I don't want anyone to force me to do, is feel like I've got to make an assessment about people based on the color of their skin. Right. I actively resist that. So this question, by the way, is an invitation to do that. Mm. This question is an invitation for us to right. say, oh, yeah, 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 you know, I get excited about working with other cultures. What about the body of Christ? Is that enough? <laughs> is that enough? Look, if, if man, what, what do you always say? Well, the great that when we make less of Christ, man, we make much of everything, everything else. Everything else. Everything else rises to the top when we make less of Christ. Question number 11. Demands for action on racial justice 
are usually more harmful than helpful for the work of the church. I, I strongly, strongly agree. Agree. Because it's divisive. Come on. By nature. Like it divides. It says that one group of people can can't be forgiven. You know, like when we apply these CRT uh, metrics to, to things, man, you have people who are perpetually, you know, not forgiven for their sins. And it's not even their sins. It's like, you know, uh, maybe your grand, your great, 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 great grandfather <laughs> back then did something and you that's just in your DNA. Man. But what about the power, the blood of Jesus Christ? Like it cancels out the gospel. Well, if the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't give you the victory and cause you to be blessed in the city and blessed in the field, then probably also you can't be forgiven. That's like, I mean, if, it, if it's not potent, then it's just not potent. That's sad to use that within the body of Christ. It really is sad. Look at what Jennifer said um, on the live here. She says, it is disconcerting when people agree with me just because they are not sure about how to disagree. Mm. I get so many apologies. <laughs> I know I often don't get real honest feedback. Man, that's wow. sad. That's sad. And think about the places where you would be, right? Like think about the places where you would need to get real honest feedback, but then you can't get it yeah. because people feel like, they don't want to offend you. They don't know what they can say. We've now gone to this place where we're all just walking on eggshells, right? Because what we have been told in our culture is that we are racist. Like, well, I'm sorry. Not if you have more melanin in right. your you skin. You can't be because you, you don't can't have the power be to carry it out. That is a lie. <laughs> man, partiality is oh, a sin of man. the heart. Come on. It is a sin that takes place in the heart. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. And it's amazing to me that we refuse to acknowledge that even within cultures, even within groups where people have similar identifying features, there is still the sin of partiality. Mm. Nobody wants to talk about that. Okay, I could spend more time talking about that. Let me do this because I'm, I'm making the point here over and over again mm. that the definition of what it is to be racist or not racist has changed. And Ibram X. Kendi says this himself when he's defining what it is to be racist and what it is to be an anti-racist. In other words, there is no neutrality. So now we see this being welcomed by the National Association of Evangelicals. There is no neutrality. You've got to act out. You've got to speak up. You've got to desire to work with other people groups, because if you don't display any of those things, then chances are you're a racist. This is taken from the how to be an anti-racist playbook. And here's <laughs> Ibram X. Kendi. We'll play the clip here. Watch this. In the most simplest way, a not racist is a racist who is in denial. And, and an anti-racist is someone who is willing to admit the times in which they're being racist and who is willing to recognize the inequities and the problems of racial problems of our society and who is willing to challenge those racial inequities by challenging policy. And so I, I'm saying this because literally slaveholders, slave traders imagine that their ideas in our terms, we're not racist. They would say things like black people are the cursed descendants of Ham and they're cursed forever into enslavement. This isn't, I'm not racist. This is God's law. They would say things like, you know, based on science, based on ethnology, based on natural history, black people by nature are predisposed to slavery and servility. This is nature's law. I'm not racist. I'm actually doing what nature said I'm supposed to be doing. And so this, this construct of being not racist 
and denying one's racism goes all the way back to the origins of this country. That is wicked. That is wicked. Mm. So a person who says, I am not a racist, and, and, yeah. and I, and I want to be generous here, right? So the person who says, I'm not a racist, mm -hmm. who's actually saying, I am not given to partiality, that is not a sin that I struggle with. So here you have Ibram X. Kendi saying, yeah, you know what? You really sound like those, um, those slaveholders. <laughs> you really sound like those slaveholders who did not believe that they were racist. Think about that. And, and what makes you not a racist is to be an anti-racist. Mm. And there's a distinction that is to be made there, right? Because the person who says I'm not a racist is sort of in this, and it's not a neutral ground. It's mm -hmm. the person who is racist. Right. And, and he just said that. You just heard him say that. So the person who says I'm not racist is racist. The person who wants to not be racist must identify oneself as an anti-racist. That means put some action to what you're saying. What are you like going to do about to do it? some things about that. So now think about that. Now, what place could that possibly have in the National Association of Evangelicals? Like if if that's what it is, if we're talking about, um, you know, what it means for us to be reconciled to one another, mm -hmm. what are the calls for us? This <laughs> this is why you get a question like question number 11. Demands for action on racial justice are usually more harmful than helpful for the work of the church. Why is this a part of the assessment? Because mm. based on what you think about that mm -hmm. says whether or not you Yo, are or not racist. Yeah. yeah. Guys, I don't mean to get hyped, but this Man. is so manipulative and it angers me in so many ways because it's taken directly from CRT playbook. So you're, you're going along, you're answering these questions, and you're like, well, no, I, I do think that there should be some things done when there is an actual injustice. <laughs> but please know that when you sign up to use CRT's terms, you don't get to redefine those terms. Mm. They have already defined those terms. Yeah. All right, question number 12. When accompanied and sustained, here we go. <laughs> when accompanied and sustained by power imbalances... Prejudice moves beyond individual relationships to institutional practices. Guys, <laughs> what does what does that even what does that mean in the church? Right. Like, like right. What? Right. How do you reconcile that in, in the church? You know, what, what we have and what we know of the scriptures and and how we are to practice the one another's and all like all man the bible sets us apart man come on it sets us apart we have no part in this type of thing you know <laughs> institutional oh imbalances so let me tell you so in crt speak what this means is that you have to have a certain amount of um underprivileged percentage points right you have to have a certain amount amount of as kimberly crenshaw would have called it intersectionality points and those people who score really low you know what i'm saying like they don't they don't have enough privilege in society mm -hmm. okay then those are the people who need to be in positions of power so that we can balance out structures <laughs> now guys here's my question oh my goodness what does that look like in the lord's church what does that look like? What no does that look it. like? How I'm do thinking you... about levelers in the Lord's church. Come on. You come know? on. Yes. Levelers. Yes. Like, you know, you would have a slave that's a bishop. Come on. And right. that was to the world, to, you know, the Roman Empire. It was like, man, y'all can't do that. But see. And they were like, watch us. Right. Because it's different within the, the body of Christ, the, the family of God. We have a, a different set of rules that we go by. And so they couldn't understand that. 
You can't, you know, levelers were seen as no. You're They're messing upsetting up. Roman yes. socioeconomic status. Like right. the, there's a there's a certain expectation that you can have a slave and you can have a noble, but you cannot have a slave leading the right. nobles. Right. And well, so in Christ in, in the church, <laughs> man, they were like, no, the Holy Spirit tells us who should be in Come what on. place. Come on. And, and, and what are they drawing from? They're drawing from the history of the church where the Holy Spirit says set apart for me. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is leading and guiding the church that he birthed. And so how do we now in 21st century America say, well, you know, there may be some power imbalances. Look, if we're led by the spirit, there are no imbalances. Come on. Amen. 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 All right. Question number 13. The United States has a history of injustice toward Native Americans and enslaved Africans, but those practices have ended and this history should not be used to influence current public policies. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. What does this have to do with the Lord's church? What, how do we go? How, oh, cause we're building here. Cause we're building because we want people to be anti-racists. Mm. So we want people to understand that what they think about race and what they think about social justice, we want them to connect that to public policies. Wait Uh-oh. a minute. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Uh-oh. So are we talking about the political arm of the evangelicals? Ooh. Is that what we're talking about? Because we, we tried to uh, outrun that, right? We tried to say, hey, we want to be faithful to the Lord Jesus. And yes, we will be politically active. We want to be faithful to the Lord Jesus. That includes our political activism. But now you're saying, hey, we do actually have some political clout. Mm. We can't forget about that 80, 82% back in 2016. Mm. And so here now we want to kiss the ring of CRT. <laughs> and so how are we going to do that? We're going to rally the evangelicals to care about public policies that, wait, disadvantage or advantage certain people groups. Guys, this is very dangerous. Yeah. This is, and you know, this is what it looks like to play with fire. Yeah. yeah. This is, this is, um, <laughs> this is what it looks like to disregard the power of the cross. This is what it looks like. Right. So, so, you know, people can, can take this test and, and, you know, (laughs) be guilty if you want, you know, and, and, and undertake to call yourself by certain terms now because you want to, you know, but what I'm saying is that we've got to reject this just like we rejected CRT outright as we saw it infiltrating other churches and other denominations. I mean, come on, man, you got look. The Southern Baptist, we can use it as an analytical tool. To analyze what? Right. Right. Like, why isn't the Bible enough? <laughs> I just don't understand these people who have come to Christ, who are having their morning devotions, but still, like, undermining the power mm-hmm. of the Christ to whom they've come mm-hmm. in the book that they're reading. Like, what do, what do you do? Are those just, are those, like, fortune cookie excerpts that you're reading? Like, like I don't understand. What is it? What have you come to is what I don't understand that now we've got to draw from and gather from the world. All right. Question number 14. Racism not only creates complex economic disparities and social inequalities, it also reinforces them. (laughs) Okay. um, But can also people's choices create? Oh, no, we don't want to talk about that. Economic disparities and social inequalities. That's that's racist. I mean, can if we teach people to honor the Lord and to do things in his order, because we actually have social scientists that have pointed to the fact that if we can delay gratification, if we can be married before we have children, it's not people's fault. It's these systems uh, that have been set up. Okay, And, you know, it's these systems that have been set up. And so you even saying that is racist. Now, what I'm saying is sometimes you don't even have to be a part of the system if you do it the Lord's way. Hmm. 
How about that? All how about how about I'm saying sometimes the government <laughs> doesn't have to be in your house. How about that? How about hmm. you don't have to subject yourself to the scrutiny of the government in these systems, right? If you do it the Lord's way. How about you see him as sovereign and submit to his lordship? Yeah. All right. I know I'm going on. I want to I want to jump over and see the Bible is my life Joanne says. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Terry says, that's always my question. Why isn't Christ enough? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, it really, it makes me question um, if people have really, truly come to Christ. Yeah. Whenever there's always, you know, the Bible and, or it's Jesus and, I'm like, to whom have you come? And, and, and for far too many people, I feel like, I don't know that they know the God of scripture. Mm. You know, they've yeah. created an idol. Yeah. They've, they've made a God in their image and that's who they worship. And I'm going to tell you, if you're worshiping the God that you have made, then that's not enough. That's not enough. Then you do need uh, analytical tools. Right. right. All right. Question number 15. Question All right, number 15. So five more. All right. Five more. We're almost done. Yeah. I advocate. I advocate. Okay. That's, that's one of those words. For so. cultural practices and policies that are consistent with the commandment to love my neighbor. I advocate for cultural practices hmm. and policies that are consistent with the commandment to love my neighbor. What does now, that look like? I mean, I obey the commandment. Let's define that. Let's <laughs> yeah. define that. Because, see, I would say, yeah, I strongly agree with that. Yeah. But I don't think that the proponents of CRT are going to have the same, like, policies and cultural practices that would be prescribed in Scripture. Right. So, right. So when you're asking me if I advocate for those things— I'm going to say, yes, I advocate for righteousness. I advocate for holiness. I advocate for truth. I advocate for biblical justice. Mm. I advocate for those things. But when you are asking whether or not I'm an advocate, you have a different definition for those things. Right. I mean, that's you look at who's holding hands with the social justice warriors. I mean, you, you, you look at who are the champions for, for the cause and, 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 <laughs> How do you guys have the same interests? I'm just mm. trying to figure that out. Mm. All right. That's question number 15. Question okay. number 16. The gospel aims to reconcile not only humanity with God, but estranged tribes, nations, and people groups to one another as well. I strongly agree with that. Yeah. Yes. We are reconciled to God and we are reconciled Amen. to our brothers gospel and sisters. Unifying. Yes. Amen. I don't know what that looks like for the CRT people. <laughs> Can, can I tell you something, though? Um, the Bible instructs us to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Mm. So there is no unity apart from the spirit of God. Do you understand? So I'm I am when I say that the gospel unites us, I am talking about the us that are in Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that the gospel unites all people. Right. Because it does not. Not peace, but a not sword. Like that. No. Okay. The gospel does not unite all people. The gospel unites all people under the banner of Christ. Yeah. So when we say we want unity, we as Christians are talking about the unity of the spirit. It's not the world's definition of unity mm. where we all link arms and sweaty and Kumbaya. musty and walking down, <laughs> you know, streets and <laughs> paint street signs. And like, no, that's that's not the unity that the scriptures advocate for. There's a unity that is ours because of the sufficiency of Christ. Mm -hmm. We've got to be unashamed at telling that. Amen. Like we, we, we've got to tell that boldly. All right. Amen. Question number 16. Am I on question number 16? You I've lost count. 15. 16. 16. Okay. I'm on 17. Here we go. It's not essential. 
This is question number 17. It's not essential for my church to model good interracial <laughs> relationships. I mean, why would this even be like, come on, man. It's not essential. Okay, so how are we, like, what, does essential even have a meaning? I mean, yeah, yeah. It's not essential for my church to model good interracial relationships. You know what's essential for me in my church? Um, holiness. Come on. That's essential. And you know what becomes a byproduct of that? All of the things that the world wants to see without submitting to the lordship of Christ, mm -hmm. those things then are more pronounced. Exactly. The relationships that you're talking about under holiness, it would be what they're supposed to be. Come on. Like you, you I don't mean, have to on. manufacture that. Right. Right. Let's just get back to, you know, what it's about. Ibram mm -hmm. X. Kendi would say, no, no, it's not. No, not, not holiness, not holiness. Like, you know, it's, 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 you've got to admit that you are racist and then we can, you know, begin to move the ball forward. <laughs> You've got to manufacture relationships, you know. It's interesting. I have another clip here. I want to play it um, where he's asked a question about why it's so difficult um, for people to admit that they are racist, right? Like, why is that such a hard thing for them to do? So I want to play this and then and then we'll come out of it and we'll finish up the assessment and we'll all have a good night as we pray, <laughs> as we pray and intercede. Here we go. Yeah. And why do you think it has been so hard for some people now to still accept that neutrality is not enough when it comes to racism? I think because it, it takes a lot of work to be anti-racist. It, it, it takes, you have to be very vulnerable, right? You have to be willing to admit that you were wrong. You have to be willing to admit that you, that if you have more, if you're white, for instance, and, and you have more, it may not be because you are more. You have to admit that, yeah, you've worked hard potentially in your life, but you've also had certain advantages which provided you with, with opportunities that other people did not have. You have to admit those things. And it's very difficult for people to be publicly and even privately self-critical. I think it's also the case of, and I should have probably led with this, how people define racist. And so people tend to define racist as like a fixed category, as an identity. This is essential to who a person is. It is someone becomes a racist. And, and, and so therefore, and then they also connect a racist with a bad, evil person. They connect a racist with a Ku Klux Klansman or woman. They, and they're like, I'm not in the Ku Klux Klan. I'm not a bad person. And I've done good things in my life. I've done good things to people of color. And so therefore, I, I can't be racist. I'm not that. That's not my identity. But that's actually not how we should be defining racist. Racist is a descriptive term. It describes what a person is saying or doing in any given moment. And so when a person in one moment is expressing a racist idea, in that moment, they're being racist when they're saying Black people are lazy. If in the very next moment, they're appreciating the cultures of Native native people they're being anti-racist man <laughs> like what <laughs> so like how can you know do you understand the incredible amount of instability that you have to feel when you hear that like think about that so yeah. so so you from one second to the next you can be either racist or anti-racist anti and it depends on, on what, what, you're, what you're doing like at that moment so if you're saying this you're racist 
if you're doing this, then you're anti-racist. Come on, man. So if we submit ourselves to these standards, if this is how we are now going to be measured, if we're going to judge ourselves by the world standard, mm. get ready. I would say to the National Association of Evangelicals and anyone who submits himself or herself to this assessment, get ready to never be forgiven. Get ready wow. to always be looking over your shoulder, second guessing your statements, wondering if what you said or did or the question that you asked or the thought that you had, if it revealed the depths of your heart that is, of course, after all, racist. Get, <laughs> get ready for that ready. because that's where we find ourselves. All right. Here's question number 18. Mm -hmm. um, racial justice, I'm sorry, racial injustice denies a significant segment of our population full participation in society. <laughs> Guys, this this is um, this is textbook CRT. Right. Like this this is um, there are people who get to come to society and bring their full selves. Okay. And then there are other people who don't get to do that. Right. Now here here again is my question: What does this look like in the church? Like, do we say that there are people? who join us, like we gather together as the Lord's bride, but there are people who don't get to come, you know, and participate fully. Do <laughs> you understand? Mm -hmm. In other words, here's the thing. This assessment doesn't care about holiness in the church because it doesn't lead with that, right? right, right. This assessment actually cares about what you do in a larger society. Yeah. This assessment, yeah. I'm going to say it frankly, this assessment cares about how you vote. That's, it, go, it goes back to politics. That's what it is. Man. That's exactly what it is. And, and the posture here, the position here is to create the next generation of people who will be advocates and allies mm -hmm. who can outrun that 82%. This 82% has been like an albatross around the evangelicals next since 2016. And so this assessment says, man, how can we throw off these heavy bands? <laughs> it's not come to Christ. Right. It's not you've been weighed down by your sin. No, it's not that you've been weighed down by Donald Trump. <laughs> how can you how can you throw off like that's that's what this is about, guys. The evangelicals have not gotten over making CNN headlines repeatedly. Eighty two percent. Eighty two percent. They, they have not gotten off, uh, gotten over the Jamar Tisby's mm. who have or is Jameer Jameer Tisby yeah. who have said that they had to disfellowship. He had to disfellowship. After 2016, because he looked around and in his church, he knew that he was worshiping with white people who had voted for Trump. I'm paraphrasing here. But basically, he's like, man, and this was hard, he said, because these are people who he left his kids with to babysit. So he and his wife would go out on dates. But all of a sudden in 2016, he was like unsafe around white people mm -hmm. because 82 percent of evangelicals voted for Trump. Guys, that is sickening. Yeah. That is sickening. Aren't we the body of Christ? Come, Come on, on. You know? Come on. Man. All right. Um, question number 19, and we're almost done. Racial reconciliation works best when the parties at odds come to the table with humility and a willingness to listen. I agree. <laughs> I agree that reconciliation between any parties, mm -hmm. okay, works well when both parties... Yes. Come to the table with humility, with humility yes, and, and willingness to listen. Yes. But that's usually in the CRT world. It's like one party comes to just listen and, and the quiet, other party speaks. And let, yeah. 
Guys, yeah. don't let this fool you. This question is very deceptive, right? Because what it prepares you for is an expectation that both parties will be humble and will listen. But the true design behind this question is what is culturally normative, that depending on your points, depending on your intersectionality points, you have the right to speak in any discussion. Mm. You have the right to be heard. Your voice mm. gets to be centered Right. And if you don't have intersectionality points, mm -hmm. if you are privileged, then you listen, you sit and listen. Right. But it's deceptive because what when you read that, you think, oh, this means that both people coming together and saying, hey, you know, I feel like this was a misunderstanding. I feel like this is not what I was trying to say. I think you may have misunderstood. No, that's not that's not how this works. That's not especially once you start applying CRT to it. Right. Which is, by the way, the next steps. And I got to tell you, well, let me we're almost done because I want to I want to talk about my score. Yeah. You all gotta right. Tell me your score. Um, all right. So question number 20. Final question. I'm committed to pursuing racial justice and reconciliation, even at the cost of personal sacrifices. Strongly disagree. <laughs> Strongly disagree. Hmm. I'm committed to pursuing Christ. Come on. Even at the cost of personal sacrifices. Uh, up to and including my life. Mm. That's that's what I'm committed to. And guess what? If I'm committed to pursuing Christ, you know what the byproduct of that is? Is that I'm going to live a holy life. And you know what that means? That means that as I search the scriptures, as I read the scriptures, I'm going to see myself and I'm going to see where I fall short. Mm. And that means that if the sin of partiality is in my heart, in whatever manifestation, it doesn't have to be color-based. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? It could be like socioeconomic-based. Right. Come on, people, like because mm -hmm. we don't like to talk about that. Right. Like I like to be around people that, you know, can do something for me. Mm -hmm. Like I I like the people who like, oh, that's a nice car. So I want to I want. Hey, you come to the front. You come and sit down here. We got a seat for you. We don't talk about that. That is partiality. It is sin. Right. It is condemned in the body of Christ. That is not what we exalt. I'm I'm committed to holiness and I'm committed to the. <laughs> It sounds bad when you say, it, but I'm committed to the byproducts of holiness, <laughs> right? Which means that now I'm going to, I'm going to live a life that reflects what I say. Amen. I believe Amen. like, Amen. why, why is this so hard? So that's question number 20. I will tell you this. Um, I scored a two. <laughs> the highest was a five. I could have, I could have gotten a five. All right. Uh, you didn't get a one. I did not get a one. Um, I think Bull Connor. <laughs> um, probably would have gotten a oh, one. My goodness. Um, but on the on the 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 scale here, so number one, the, the, number one is that I'm unconvinced, mm -hmm. right? Uh, number two is that I'm questioning. Okay, your question. Okay, number three is exploring. Number four is engaging, and number five is committed. Committed. Committed to the racial justice the cause. cause. So I scored a two, and you know. Um, couldn't decide if I should be heard about that or not. Like, I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm wondering though, for the people on this live, um, like how print the test, burn it on camera. <laughs> Catherine, Catherine said, print the test, burn it on camera, send the ashes to the NAE. Man. <laughs> That's pretty much you, what that I, test is. You worth. know what? Look, I, mean, I want to be in the trenches with you. Okay, right. I don't. I don't know what battles you got to fight coming up, but let let's fight. Let's fight together. Um, yeah, but that's. I guess you know, getting those results and and looking at all of that, I can tell you this too. Uh, once you take the assessment, and I have it here in front of me, guys. I, I want you to know that I, I really took this seriously. So when you take the test based on your score, 
they direct you to resources mm-hmm. to follow up. You need some some books. So here I, I went on ahead and I, I printed out many of the resources. So I've got articles here that they recommend. Um, of course, a lot of them by Tim Keller. Um, um, Letter from a Birmingham Jail was one of them that I needed to read, you know, because <laughs> I because I scored a two. And then also What to the Slave is the Fourth of July by Frederick Douglass. <laughs> um, Justice in the Bible. And so and 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 so really this begins my journey of putting in the work. Yes. Because you when to you put start in the work, get your get your resources, your books, so you can learn, be educated on. Now I, I wanna say this, and I had a different Oh, I don't know where it is. I had a different, um, oh, here it is. Okay. So there's a suggested reading list here, guys. I just want to say this and, and I'm just, I'm just asking a question. Okay. So the books that are on this list, I just want to name a few of them here. Uh, Beyond Racial Gridlock by George Yancey. Okay. Um, Cultural Identity and the Purpose of God by Stephen Bryan. I'm not familiar with all of these books, by the way. Um, How to Heal Our Racial Divide by Derwin Gray. Uh, One Blood by John Perkins. I actually am familiar with that book, have it and read it. That's a great book. I I think that's a great one from uh, John Perkins. Um, Then The Bible Told Them So by Russell Hawkins. Hmm. Um, Then there is White Awake, White Awake by Daniel Hill. And then there's also the book White Too Long by Robert (laughs) P. Jones. And again, (laughs) what I want to tell you is that there's no way they thought I was taking this test. <laughs> White too long. White M- Mickey? Like what? Like so so in other words you can see that this test already has a bit. Now, curiously here, um fault lines is not on here. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh my God. V- is like, of course it's not. Because the, th- no, I can't do his voice. But look, let me, look. So again, if you want to know what slant this test has, look at the resources that are suggested. Yeah. White too long, white awake. Like, so I, I, I feel like the AI, okay, or the algorithm on this, or whatever, looked at my score. And was like, okay, man, she's a racist. So these are the books that she needs. She's questioning. She's (laughs) (laughs) questioning. That could go. I know. I'm not. I am not. I'm I'm questioning (laughs) methods. Guys, here, look, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up here. I I really appreciate this time that we've had to spend together. Um, this is concerning to me. You know, I don't know how the body and the body of Christ will collectively respond to this. But I feel like we need to, you know, I don't know if it's a strongly worded letter. (laughs) I don't know if it's a blog post. I don't know if it's a video where we take the test and then we say, man, this, this is divisive. This is divisive. This is taking your cues from the critical race theory playbook. And then, you know, how do we respond? I don't know, but anyway, I think Catherine had another Catherine says the whole test sounds like a variation of the classic question. So do you still <laughs> do you still beat your wife? That's right. There is no way to answer without looking guilty. You're exactly right. Yeah. That's what it is. That's that's exactly what it is. When did when did you stop beating your wife? <laughs> right. Right. Like no, I don't. I don't. I don't beat my wife anymore. <laughs> right. So that's what we are, guys. And and I have to say, I want to say publicly. I'm really disappointed in the National Association of Evangelicals. Um, they could have seen from afar what happened 
with the Southern Baptist Convention when they voted to accept critical race theory as an analytical tool. Um, they can see the carnage that's been left in the wake of that decision, mm-hmm. um, even ongoingly. You know, they try to run it back, but there's just division in the body of Christ when we look outside of the sufficiency of Scripture yeah. for anything, yeah. right? We have everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. That Amen. includes Amen. how we interact with one another. Amen. Amen. So wow. anyway, all right. Um, thanks so much for watching. We really do appreciate yeah. it. Just want to pray before before we go. That's a great idea. Lord, we thank you. We praise you, Father God, for who you are. God, we thank you for discernment. We thank you, Father God, that you can help us as we navigate these issues and this culture and understand and, uh, what is going on and apply the word of God to these things. So, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us, God, to be keen, to operate with sagacity, to be a people, God, that, that operates in wisdom mm. and prudence, Lord. And, God, as we see uh, the things that are trying to attack the church, Lord, that we would not uh, be caught off guard. But, God, that we would use your word because it is the straight edge that we live by. We thank you. And I pray, God, for everyone that's watching this live, God, and and, um, the ones who will see it as a recorded piece. God, I pray, Father God, that you would uh, strengthen homes and marriages. And, God, that you would be glorified through your bride. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, family. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless. (laughs) 